0: Tbh, Tech Business History with Charles Miller
1: Hello, the business founded by my guest on this week's Tech Business History doesn't fit any of the stereotypes of dot-com startups Its founder has never borrowed large amounts of money The business has been profitable from the start and it's still going strong today and it's still a small business but it's definitely a dot-com success story Called AmpleBosom.com. It's run from a family farm in Yorkshire by Sally Robinson, and it specialises in lingerie for, as Sally puts it, the larger lady. I know Sally from the time she was starting the business, and I was making a documentary series about dot-coms, which she kindly agreed to take part in. Well, Sally, it's great to speak to you again, and thank you very much for doing the podcast. That's fine. Um, Good
0: to see you again.
1: Yes, after approaching two decades I think. Yes. And so you've been in business for 20 years now I think with Ample bosom.
0: That's correct.
1: Let, let's go right back to the beginning and can I ask you how you first sort of came across the internet?
0: I was looking for a new business and a girl that worked part-time for it worked for a big firm who dealt with frozen food. And she knew about the internet. I suppose I knew about it, but I had no idea how to access it and, and things like that. And uh, she she persuaded me to put my new business on the internet. So we started in September 1999, and we put it on the internet in November 1999. That was
1: the start. What was it that made you think? You know, this thing which. Was being done in London by all these sort of young guys, and young people who were going to be millionaires. Uh, what gave you the confidence to jump into that?
0: I think it was probably my remoteness, the fact that if I needed something, I had to go such a long way to get it. You know, it's five miles from a loaf for a loaf of bread. Um, in those days, it was thirty miles for anything much more substantial. So. Yeah, that was what... Yeah, it just seemed... It was just a no-brainer, really. It was going to work.
1: And did you... How much did you know about computers and technology and stuff at that time?
0: Nothing. Nothing. Um, Couldn't type, really. Couldn't spell. I think the thing that... The spell check was the thing that made me move towards computers. I don't know when that was. Probably 25 years ago. And the fact that... It just work. It only just works. Somebody can help you make it work. I've done fairly well, but you look at Martha Lane Fox and you look at Amazon, and and you think you've been doing absolutely hopelessly, really.
1: Yeah, you're not in the House of Lords. I've noticed.
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) No. You should be. Well, maybe.
1: (laughs) But um, so, did you have to invest? How much did you have to invest? How much of a risk was it financially to start the business?
0: I think my first risk was about 40000
1: Well, that's quite so, a big number.
0: It was quite a big number, yeah. The um, I, I thing with being a farmer and having the collateral of the farm there, that allows you to do that sort of thing. And I've got the premises, that was another plus point. And we'd run businesses before, so that was another thing that we didn't have to sort of... You didn't have to understand accountants and things like that. That was already there. And the fact that half the population was wearing bras, it, you know, it seemed to be a no-brainer, really.
1: But but in terms of the investment, you really needed this to work, I should think, didn't you? I mean, it would, wouldn't have been just a sort of a, a, an unfortunate little mistake if you'd lost 40 grand.
0: Yeah, I remember... My husband's saying to me, you're in deep, now you've got to keep going. Right. Um, yeah, that's the way it was.
1: And I'm probably
0: in deeper now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but did you have in mind the kind of things that we were all reading about in the papers about people who started dot-com businesses ending up as multi-millionaires?
0: No, I don't think so. I think um, I think you tend to end up People tend to stay where they are. And I think that's what I've done. I, I'm going to try and push a bit harder now. I would like to make something of it now.
1: Well, you've, you've done amazingly well to run your business for 20 years. I mean, in a way, you say people end up staying where they are. But actually, I think on the, in this particular business, it's a case of really either they do incredibly well or they lose all their money, that there isn't much of a sort of steady middle ground there.
0: Well perhaps I'm aiming higher than you then yeah, no I think I was told a long time ago that women run businesses they treat businesses like children and they nurture them for 15 or 20 years before they, they make them really grow where men tend to make businesses grow faster right. so I'm hoping that I've reached my twenty years. Got my twenty year badge. I can make it grow now.
1: Oh, see, well, it's not going to leave home, though, is it? <laughs>
0: no, 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 Well, you, that's what people say. That don't they? they? They grow businesses to sell, but that's never been on my list, really.
1: No, but so, well, let's just go back to the beginning again. So you, you decided you were going to invest. You got the computer equipment, and then you must have had to. Um, get in touch with all the manufacturers and establish relationships with them. Was How difficult was all that?
0: That was, well, a friend t- said, persevere with them. And, you know, so we got the names and addresses of 20 manufacturers in the country and we wrote to them all. And we happened to write to the chairman of Triumph. And he wrote back to us. Well, he sent a representative to see us. And this guy came. To try and understand what the internet was all about, I think, and he came into our muddy, grey, foggy farmyard in a pale grey suit with a pink tie on. (laughs) Wanted to understand what we were doing, and he said he sent word back to the chairman of Triumph, and he opened an account, and that was the start. And because Triumph opened the account, other companies opened an account as well.
1: That was how it started. And. But then then you had to buy stock and have it sitting there hoping somebody was going to buy it, right?
0: That's right.
1: So um, how much of a risk was that? Did you have to sort of make some canny judgments about what to make sure you had in stock?
0: Yes, yes, we still do. And, you know, you you win some, you lose some, you you try and sell some at full price, then some goes into the sale at the end of the season. And it is a constant battle to have the right stock. But you've just got to keep trying
1: so when you when you started um, tell me what it was like when I mean there must have been a a great moment when your first order came through
0: yeah I can't remember it really Really? those sort of milestones because there was something else to worry about when that came through
1: but do you think you had to did you have, do you remember whether you had to wait a long time before anybody bought anything
0: No. I remember getting an order from the Middle East for 15 bras, all exactly the same, and thinking this can't be true, (laughs) and putting it in the bin, and a fortnight later, the customer ringing up and saying, where's my bras? And she became a customer for a long time, buying 15 of the same bra once a year.
1: All for the same person.
0: Well, one presumes so, yeah, yeah. I think it was just a hot country and perhaps, you know, two a day made her um, 15 a week. So, I don't know, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Then uh,
1: you actually took on somebody to help, I think, in the early days, because you had a, a helper. Yes.
0: yeah, I had a, a girl called Claire who helped me part-time in the farmhouse bed and breakfast. And uh, she was tired of her office job, I knew she was. And so I asked her to write me an advert for somebody to work in the office with me. And by the time she'd written the advert, she'd taken the job. (laughs) So that was...
1: (laughs) That was your plan, was it?
0: Yeah, that was my plan, yeah. So she stayed with me for a while. We've had several office staff over the years. Um, Difficult to find out here, office staff. Your rural areas are really struggling for staff. I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Right. Um, So you converted one of the outbuildings, or maybe more than one, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, did, that, did that sort of just last you for a few years, just in that arrangement, or did you have to expand?
0: Yeah, we got planning commission for one garage-sized office and warehouse all in one. And then we, we put some stock in an old outhouse, uh, sort of three garages. It rained in through the roof. And we we had to line the inside of it with polythene sheets and all sorts. Then eventually we um, converted a pig house and moved the office into the warehouse. And the old office is now a warehouse as well. So we can manage with what we've got for a while, I think, yet. yeah. Tech Business History with this week's guest, Sally Robinson.
1: You've talked about, you know, running the farm is a business in itself. And Mm -hmm. you you also were doing a bed and breakfast. I mean, what I'm looking at is ideas of what people thought that being an entrepreneur really consisted of. But as far as you were concerned, was it really just transferring the experiences and, and the skills you already had to this new environment or was the, was the stuff that was special and different about being a, a dot-com entrepreneur compared to your other experiences?
0: No, I think it was just the same, really. Uh, I quite like looking over the horizon to see what's coming. And so that, that bit was interesting. But I can't profess to understand it in any shape or form. But it, it, it's just convenient for people. So that's just, just how it, yeah, it's just how it panned out, really. It's just, it's just convenient. How did you
1: get anybody to find your website once you'd got it going?
0: I think you were a big help in that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you'd had quite a few stories in the papers before then, I think.
0: Yes, I, um, that was right. The, the local newspaper wanted to run... A fashion show. That was it. We'd advertise in the local paper and it would come to me and said, Did I want to be in this fashion show? I thought the last thing I want is a fashion show. <laughs> but I bet if I say yes to the fashion show, the journalists will come and that'll help.
1: Is that the one we filmed?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the biggest problem for the fashion show was finding models big enough to model my bras. <laughs> but anyway, we did, that worked. But i, I had a press release before that. Um, I think so
1: because I must have seen uh, you from somewhere.
0: It, yeah, I know what it was. It was, I'd had a grant from the EEC, blessed EEC. Um, and um, they came from the local council to see if I'd spent the grant on what I said I was spending it on, which was new computers. And they put the the report on the newswire. And the newswire, journalists picked it up from the newswire. That was it. So that must have been. Where you found it? Uh, yeah, I was in
1: all sorts of newspapers. But so you actually had applied to the EEC for a grant for your starting your business?
0: Profound diversification grant.
1: All oh, right. Well, that must have been quite a business to apply for. That wasn't it. Did, oh, well, that, <laughs> did it take uh, a long time?
0: Yeah, I'd had diversification grants before for holiday cottage things, so it wasn't totally unheard of. Um yeah, except it, uh, the rural areas will miss the Eec and their diversification grants and their agricultural grants. Um,
1: but so yeah. did when you when you applied for that, did you have to go and talk to people or have people come round, or was it just all on paper?
0: I think it was all on paper
1: right. You've got a lot of publicity, but and I mean, obviously, the idea of Ample Bosom and you know the farmer's wife and all that was a, a terrific story for people. Mm. Was that in a way part of your plan? Or did that just did you was that just something that you realised once you'd got going?
0: I thought I'd have two businesses. I thought there'd be one called Ample Bosom, which would be a paper catalogue, and one called Browse Online. But once a journalist got hold of it, Browse Online just disappeared.
1: Because they liked ample bosom as an idea so much more.
0: Yes. And I've kept myself below the parapet for the last 10 years, waiting for a new website. Ridiculous we to wait 10 years for a website, but we're trying to produce a website with a back-end system that's seamless, and we're nearly there, she says. But I've been saying for a long time. And so I'll put my head back above the parapet and become the bra expert, hopefully, In a short while, Um, lots of people don't understand about brass. They're as mystifying as the internet, really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably as complicated in terms of engineering as well, are they? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So we're trying to get some faster broadband here. That's a bit of a problem.
1: But 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 just going back to the publicity thing. I mean, what's kind of great is I, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but. You've gone along with the publicity and you've had some nice stories, but you've never sort of gone out of your way and put yourself forward as a kind of gimmicky thing or anything, have you? It's just kind of come to you, I think.
0: Yeah, it has just come to me. It's not gimmicky. It is a serious matter, finding a of fit and being comfortable. And I think it, it is all too easy to make fun of it and a joke about it when it's quite quite serious, really.
1: Right. But you haven't... On the other hand, you haven't been shy about being in the papers or anything, have you? I mean, that is all part of the job, I suppose.
0: But nothing to be shy about. And I I said to my nearest and dearest, anything you read in the newspaper you wonder about, come and ask me first.
1: Yeah. Well, you see, the, the the reason I'm sort of interested in this is a couple of days ago, as part of this same project, I talked to a guy who started a health food company at the same time called Click Mango. I don't know whether you ever came across it, but it was one of those sort of dot-coms in London. And they hired Joanna Lumley to promote it. And although she did a good job, their business failed within a few months, really, because they were not... You know, selling vitamins online just turned out to be not a very successful thing. But he said... They were under so much pressure to get publicity and get themselves in the papers because the, at the time, the people who lent the money thought that was the requirement in order to, for the business to be a success.
0: Well, yeah. Um, what did Joanna Lumley cost them?
1: Well, exactly. I think she cost them a lot.
0: Yeah. And advertising's expensive. And, and I don't recall ever saying no to a journalist. Did fall out with the Daily Mail, but... Um, their women's page is a bit controversial at times. So, uh,
1: well, is it, was it a case of all publicity is good publicity?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it it kept coming back to me. There was some flooding, uh, and the journalists came back to me then to take photographs and things. And it just, you know, I just kept in contact with them and kept smiling.
1: Well, had they written something nasty about it originally? No, or?
0: no, no. It was just the fact that. It, the flooding happened around here, and how we were we getting on? That oh, sort I see. Of... Right, right. If your name's if your name's in the newsroom, it, it keeps coming back to you, I think.
1: When the internet really got going and everyone knew about Amazon and stuff like that, how did you manage to sort of survive rather than being undercut by bigger businesses?
0: Well, I think we're probably fairly lean.
1: Right. So... Compared
0: to some of the bigger companies.
1: So, I mean, are you able to offer your products at a a competitive price, even competitive with Amazon or somebody like that?
0: Well, we sell on Amazon. Oh, right. Um,
1: As a sort of third party. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, in the hope that a customer will buy from us in Amazon and wonder what we've got on our own website, and come back and have a look and see what we can supply them with. Well, you just have to, you know, you have to be in there to win it. You have to be in it to win it, and you've just got to keep, most of the brass with recommended retail prices. And um, I am told by my suppliers that my customer base isn't the norm. Oh. So we've obviously got a a database of customers of, of a size. Right. And, it, and it, it seems to work, and I think they're comfortable. We can give them a choice in their size and look after them in their size without. And what all we do here really is sell bras, so we understand them very well. And some p- companies might not understand them as well as we do.
1: Yeah, have you been tempted to go into a wider range of things?
0: Not really. Uh, people said that going to going to a wider range. We we have a few clothes and a, some nightwear most of what we sell is, is, is brass.
1: Um do you think that your customers also like coming to you because they perhaps know that it's a personal kind of business and they see pictures of Yorkshire and stuff. Is is that a a factor, do you think?
0: I think yeah, we have some good press around the, the in the farming press. So we have quite a few farmers and rural people and, and yeah I think it, it is. I think that's um that's where we get our our main customer source really.
1: Are you surprised that twenty years on it's still going strong?
0: No, no I don't think so. No, I think you, um no, I never intended it to be anything else other than keep going on. So yeah, no. no it's, uh, and
1: how yeah. does it how does it compare now with the farm business or the B and B
0: business? The B and B stopped. I stopped doing that. Oh, I don't know, five or seven years ago, maybe even longer. We've got some holiday cottages, and my son t- is taking over the farm really. So I'm just left with the brass. Um, yeah, it's 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 time consuming. It sort of consumes all our time. It, it keeps us busy, and there's always more you could do. There's always more you could do. So
1: um, we just hope. How many people do you do you have? How many staff do you have now?
0: Well, there's quite a few remote ones one way and another. There's four, of, five of us in the office now, four and me, and two in the warehouse today. So there's seven of us here today. And it varies. You know, five, six, seven each day. And then we've got people helping us in various places, doing different things, blogging and Twittering. They, are, they aren't here. They're somewhere else and search engineering and that sort of thing.
1: And is it still kind of a bit of a manual business in that an order comes in and somebody has to go and put something in a jiffy bag and take it to the post office?
0: Always will be. Always will be. The postman comes to collect them at half past four, um, but he always has done. Yeah, it, 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 Yeah. That, that part of it. I'd love some of those Amazon robots. Have you seen them? They? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I was thinking maybe you'd have all those all those conveyor belts and things would just get pushed along and you know
0: oh no 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 nothing like that no <laughs> I, I like those tower um, those tower uh, robots that go and bring the products to the packing bench
1: in a way what's so clever is that you've picked a product that is sort of specialized and it's quite valuable and it's also quite light mm. so you know, those are the things that you really need if you're going to be doing this retail stuff. I think, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me.
0: That's quite all right. Quite all right. Any time. Really mm.
1: nice to see you. Um, nice to see you. Thank you. Lovely Bye. to see you. Bye. My thanks to Sally Robinson, and here's to the next two decades of ample bosom this is the last in the first series of six TBH podcasts. There'll be more to come later in the year. So if you subscribe, you'll get the new series when it's available. Or do follow me on Twitter, where I'm at chblm. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.